It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. And now it's time for a Brett Bear Classic. Fox News Podcasts presents the Brett Bear Podcast with Fox News Chief Political Anchor Brett Bear. Joining us tonight is Jonathan Carl. He is the Chief Washington Correspondent for ABC News. He's also the author of a new book called Tired of Winning about former President Donald Trump. John, thanks for being here. Thank you, Brett. I want to talk about the book and all the interesting quotes in there um, and some of the the news out of there. I want to ask you about your day job and what you're hearing in Democratic circles about the Biden campaign. I've talked to a bunch uh, up in, you know, Washington and other places about their level of concern right now about where they stand, about the age issue and about if anything's going to change with him as the nominee. Well, there's two ways to answer that. First, from the Biden campaign itself, uh, they, they express confidence both behind the scenes and publicly, especially at the prospect that they'll be running against Donald Trump. They think that Biden has beaten Trump, that Trump is somebody that he can beat rather easily again. Uh, but beyond the, the confines of the Biden campaign, there is a real concern in Democratic circles. They uh, look at Biden's approval rating. It is at historically low levels. It's at the kind of level that you see an incumbent president heading towards a losing re-election campaign. There's concern, if not about uh, his age and whether or not he can go through with it. Clearly, the perception among voters that he is too old. And look at the polls. They see uh, Democratic voters practically screaming for an alternative. Democratic voters saying they would like to see somebody other than Joe Biden running uh, as the Democratic nominee. But as far as that shoe ever dropping, there's just not logistically no. how that happens, right? Look, he's, he's the nominee. Uh, barring some major health event, Joe Biden is the Democratic nominee. Yeah. All right, I want to talk about the book. You have this chapter uh, called Team of Sycophants, in which you write that a lot of the criticism is really from top Republicans, some of them who were in the White House uh, of former President Trump. Even as president, that respect eluded Donald Trump. He never garnered the reverence and admiration he had historically accompanied the office he held, especially among those who served him. An astonishingly high number of people who held senior positions in his administration came to believe that he was woefully unfit for the presidency. Obviously, in my interview with the former president, I mentioned some of those, listing them. Yeah. But you found that uh, across the board in some of your reporting for the book. It's across the board. And I want to say one thing important about this book. I would say 90, more than 90 percent of the people that I spoke to for this book were Republicans. The vast majority of them, people that served for Donald Trump, supported Donald Trump, some of whom still support him to this day. But if you look at the people that he put in the most important positions in his administration, Secretary of Defense, Chief of Staff, White House Counsel's Office, uh, the, the uh, Department of Justice, senior people in every one of those positions have expressed publicly, in most cases, real concerns about Donald Trump and what it, be, what it would mean if he returned uh, to the White House and searing criticism of what he was like as president. So this is not coming uh, from, you know, weak-kneed rhino Republicans on the Hill or certainly not from Democrats. 
They echoes that. That's, that's irrelevant as far as I'm concerned. That's just politics. But these are people that saw Donald Trump up close who were very worried about what it would mean if he returned uh, to the White House. Not surprisingly, the former president put out a Truth Social post right after your book came out, uh, saying, among other things, this. Failed ABC fake news reporter Jonathan Carl just wrote another bad book. He works so hard, but has so little talent. Some people have it, some people don't. Goes on to say many other false stories in Carl's very boring book, but nothing worth mentioning. Um, has he had a good review of any of these books? Uh, you know, he, he was quite positive about uh, about my first book, Front Row at the Trump Show. Actually, publicly, on uh, uh, multiple occasions, uh, said that I treated him fairly, which he said surprised me, but you treated me fairly. And he's acknowledged that I've known him for a long time. Look, Brett, I have known Donald Trump since the early 1990s. I went into the White House uh, as, as a White House correspondent, first under Obama. Democrats criticized me as being too uh, tough on Obama. When Trump came in, I felt it was my duty to treat him fairly and with respect, and I believe uh, that, that, that he knows that I did so. Uh, so I would say at least in that long uh, statement that you showed, uh, at least he acknowledged that I work hard. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but, but, but I've had a good relationship with him over the years because I, you know, I, I treated him fairly. I called it as it was, and that's what I'm doing in this book. We'll continue right after this. The Will Cain Show is now dropping five episodes a week. Join Fox & Friends weekend host Will Cain as he tackles the latest headlines from his unique perspective, along with thought-provoking interviews with leading figures and live calls from viewers and listeners. Listen wherever you download your favorite podcasts. One of the things you did in the book, and I'm going to put up this timeline of his legal cases, um, and they're coming, like one after the other. Uh, you talked about the interaction between um, the former president and his lawyers about the scheduling uh, for these cases. And uh, he was not pleased about it because some of it is right in the middle of the primaries. Yeah, he, he blew up at, at one point when uh, he was confronted with the reality that one of his uh, court cases was happening right before uh, Super Tuesday. Now even more, we, we have uh, the, the federal election interference case is going to happen uh, literally the day before uh, Super Tuesday uh, to begin. Uh, and this, this he re reacted in fury at his lawyers. Although I think what has happened now, Brett, is there is very little difference between his legal defense and his campaign. His campaign is essentially one of, of pointing to himself as a victim and avowing vengeance against those uh, that are going after him, he says, for political reasons. So I think actually, you know, if, if you look at Trump just over the past uh, month and a half or so, he has actually spent uh, about as much time in that courtroom in New York in the civil case as he has said, as he has spent in actual campaign events. This is in many ways a campaign to keep himself uh, out of legal trouble, he believes, by getting elected president and doing away with these, uh, with these cases insofar yeah, I, as he can. I would argue that he thinks politically that being in that courtroom and talking to reporters is a positive politically for him, at yes. least in that case in Manhattan. But about the January 6th case, you write about interaction between Jack Smith, the special counsel, and Trump lawyers just before that indictment comes down for the January 6th case. Yeah, this was fascinating. Uh, the, the Trump lawyers uh, had been given an opportunity to talk to Jack Smith uh, before uh, a possible indictment on January 6th. It was a lot of secrecy surrounding this. I got a blow-by-blow -blow account of what happened behind closed doors 
early, uh, early in the morning as they came to Washington to the annex office of the Department of Justice to meet with Smith and his prosecutors. And the fascinating thing about this is they came in, met Jack Smith, two of his lead prosecutors shook hands, they gave them water to drink, they sat down, said, okay, so what do you have? And one of the uh, lead lawyers, John Lauro for, for Trump, spoke for nearly uninterrupted for nearly an hour um, uh, outlining why they thought that there should not be an indictment on January 6th. Jack Smith did not ask a single question. Neither of his, uh, his, his prosecutors asked a single question. They said, okay, goodbye, they left. And later that day, they dropped an indictment, not on January 6th, but it was the superseding indictment on the classified documents case. A week later, the indictment on January 6th came, incorporating arguments against many of the things that John Lauro had presented at that secret meeting. Last thing, John, do you think, you know, what we've seen so far is each indictment, each time he's been in a trial, uh, his poll numbers have either stayed the same or gone up. His fundraising has either stayed the same or gone up. Um, do you think as we get along that that dynamic is going to change as he's facing different court cases, some that many legal experts say have a little bit more bite than the early, the early ones? Well, we don't know what happens if it's a conviction. If and, and the like, the only I think the, the case that's most likely to get to a possible conviction before the election would be the election interference case, the federal case. And how does the public react to a conviction? But I also think there's something else important here. Yes, his poll numbers have gone up with each indictment. Uh, he's gotten a message. The message is one of retribution. He says, in 2016, I said, I am your voice. Now I say, I am your retribution. He really means his retribution, going after the people that are going after him. I think there's been far too little attention paid to what he is actually talking about as a candidate for president and far too little attention paid not to the legal cases we know those cases chapter and verse but what a second trump term would look like i argue in this book that it would be quite different uh, than what we saw in in the first term and i think it's it, it's something that people need to to confront and to deal with yeah we've talked about it on this show with a lot of punditry including brick Hume and others yeah. um jonathan as always thank you the book is called tired of winning uh, thanks for coming on. Great. Thanks a lot, Brett. Great to talk to you. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. everybody, it's Brian Kilmeade. I want you to join me weekdays at 9 a.m. East as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and, of course, what you think. Listen live or get the podcast now at briankilmeadeshow.com.